The church is alive. Somebody say amen. This isn't dead church here in Vero Beach. Come on. Religion kills. But the Holy Ghost is moving in this place. If you guys would all, if you don't mind, just receive me in a manner of an extension like Pastor Alex's little pinky in his absence rather than a replacement. And I would be forever grateful to each and every one of you because that is the greatest honor of a spiritual son in the house. And I'd be very thankful to each and every one of you. I've got to put the rocket boosters on tonight. I preached to my dogs all afternoon. And I was over my time limit every single time, so I've got to get moving. But I will say this to start this off. You guys know I preach to my dogs. Roxy has been saved about 67 times. She's a very anointed black lab. And tonight, about 5.30, she was sitting on the little stair step that goes down into the den where I preach to the dogs. And she's about eye level with me, and I'm preaching fire. Listen, I'm letting it rip, Tater Chip. I don't hardly have a voice right now because of me going after the dogs. And at some point during the sermon, she responded. <laughs> uh, see, she's a dog that sleeps when I preach. When the anointing fills my living room, she just goes to bed. That's how I know. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, Pastor Naomi has the birds. Like, it's me and the dogs thing. Is that all right? If you know, you know. Anyways, I'm busy preaching fire, and I'm, like, shouting myself down. Like, I'd preach something. I'd I mean, then I'd go back to preaching. I was my own congregation to this afternoon. And at some point while I was ministering, the dog got up on all fours and started barking. And I got so excited. I thought, man, the dog can feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm preaching so good that the dog is responding. And then I looked out the window and realized the husky was walking down the street. Man, but I tell you what, I had a, I, listen, I was jumping and shouting and I had a great old time. Tonight, I want to talk with you for just a minute and you're going to have to just bear with me because I, I honestly, I am going to have to minister this fairly quickly. I want to minister on a word that I have labeled, speak to it. Speak to it. It's time that we learn how to prophesy. And listen, we are in a very prophetic house, and I'm so thankful to Pastor Alex and the prophetic mantle that is upon the man of God of this house. But understand that we have delegated authority in the realm that we have that authority that has been given to us, which means that if you have delegated authority, that is legitimate authority to prophesy or to speak to your situation. Proverbs 18 and 21 says that death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Death and life, what are you speaking? Because ultimately, we have a decision to make, and we can choose more often than not what the outcome is based off of what comes out of our mouths. Now, Proverbs 18 and 21, everybody likes to quote that, death and life is in the power of the tongue, but I want to go to Proverbs 18 and 20, the verse right before it, because it says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. We have a problem here. 
because natural world says that I get filled based off of what I consume. If I am hungry, I eat. And as I chew and swallow and eat and consume, I get satisfied. But the word of God just said, based off of what comes out, the product, the produce of my mouth is how I will be satisfied. What comes out of my mouth is how I will be filled. In other words, your spiritual supermarket is your mouth. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, but what are you speaking? Are you declaring your destruction or are you prophesying your breakthrough? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Your spiritual supermarket is bound up on your lips, but what's coming out of it? Oh, I'm so hungry and I'm going to go eat a double cheeseburger and I'm going to get filled. But really, that's not what the word is saying here. The word is saying what comes out is what fills. But what are you filling with? We live in a day and an age where it's common to speak negatively. It's common to gossip. It's common to run the politicians down. Don't worry, I'm just as unhappy. Stuff that's going on in the United States of America is absolutely atrocious and completely against the word of God in most places. But we did see a major breakthrough this year. Amen. Roe versus Wade. Anyone? Come on. But what are you satisfying yourself with? What is coming out of your mouth? What is the produce of your tongue? The green beans and the vegetables of your lips. The produce, the product. What's coming out of you? That's what will fill you. Do you know that you have power on the tip of your tongue? In the book of Genesis, it says that God spoke and there was light. He spoke and the animals were created. He spoke. There was creative power on the tongue of the creator. Did you know you have access to that as well? Galatians 3, 26 says, for, all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were as baptized into Christ, put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For, all, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, Christ's, plural, little Christians, little anointed ones, Christians, then you have Abraham's seed and heirs. Everybody say heirs. Heirs according to promise. Ephesians 3 and 6 says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. Everybody say heirs. Of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. The word declares that we are co-heirs. We are co-inhabitors with Christ. Listen, there are too many Christians that walk around with a spirit of adoption upon them. A spirit, an orphan spirit upon them. And there needs to be more Christians that recognize the spirit of adoption in their life. Is that okay? Understand that when we got saved, we got adopted in to the body of Christ. Please don't misunderstand me and take away from what I'm about to say because I don't in any way, shape, or form want to take away from the deity of Jesus. In any way, shape, or form. 
but we are co-heirs with him. That means the same access that he has. I'll give you the word. Hold on. We'll just let me just read the word. Because I got I gotta listen. I need faith to come alive in you. I, I want so badly to shout and scream up and down. My voice is already shot from shouting at the dogs. So I'm trying my best to stay calm here tonight. But I'm I'm desperate that revelation would come alive in you because when this comes alive, your spirit man will jump up and shout down anything that you could possibly do. Hear me. Ephesians 3:20 says, now to to him who is able, everybody say able. Able, to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. To him who is able, everybody say able. To him who is able to do exceedingly super abundantly above all that we could ever think or ask. Listen to me. I am not the only one in here tonight that has ever fantasized about winning the mega million lottery. And I say that to prove a point because most of us have fantasized about Elon Musk sending us a check for a billion dollars and what we could get done and how powerful we could be. And I know everybody's first thing was, Lord, I'll tithe if you do it. I lost somebody. Stay with me. Come on. How far can your finite mind go with a billion dollars? But the word says to him who is able to do exceedingly and super abundantly far above all that we could ask or think. That same power worketh within John 14. John 14 says, most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, oh, and the works that I do. Watch this. See, this is the thing about Christianity today, and I'm not quite sure I understand it because everybody's really happy to be okay with the first part that says, for he who believes in me. We're real happy about the salvation part, but we got to understand, don't cheapen the gospel of Jesus Christ because if you believe in me, Oh, here comes the latter part. It's not just salvation. If you believe in him as a savior, you also have to believe in him as a deliverer. If you believe in him as a savior, you also have to believe in him as a healer. If you believe in him as a savior, you also have to believe in him as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. If you believe in him as a savior, you also have to believe in him. It says, most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, comma, and the works that I do. See, we're real happy to believe in him, but do you believe in his works also? What was the works of Jesus? See, everywhere Jesus went, he preached the gospel, but then he demonstrated with power. There was power everywhere he went. Demons manifested everywhere that he went. People got healed everywhere that he went. There were miracles, signs, and wonders, and they followed him as the word says it should. And the word says, most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will also do. Oh, and the second half, it just gets better and greater works than these 
will he do. Because I go to my Father, and whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over some of the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. But see, we know these scriptures and they're the shout me down scriptures. But there has to come a point in our lives as Christians when we cross over from just quoting these in our head to You have a lot more power and dominion in you than you think. We only have that power because of Jesus. Make no mistake. Did you know that when you walk in a room, you have the ability to shift the atmosphere because your presence is there. Why? Because he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. If I'm in a room, I have the availability to shift an atmosphere. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That baby got some revelation. Listen, I've said this before, and I will say it again. I could care less if nobody on this earth knows my name. I don't care if Google knows my name. There are only two people in the world that I want to know my name, one of which is Jesus. When I get to heaven, I want him to look me dead square in the eyes and say, good and faithful servant, well done. And the other ones... Every demon in hell had better know my name. You have that same power. You have that same authority locked up on the inside of you, but what are you doing with it? Because if you have access to it and you don't use it, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Watch this, Mark 4. Mark 4, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. I need more time, Lord. Let us cross over to the other side. Oh, there's about to be a crossover for somebody in this place. Somebody's about to cross over to the other side. Somebody's about to step into a new season. Somebody's about to step into a new place. Somebody's about to cross over from one season into a next. He says, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boats as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said, see, said to the sea, peace, be still. My eyes are a little faster than my mouth. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In your greatest trial, in your greatest tribulation, in your greatest mess, are you playing the what-if game? Are you playing the negative Nancy card? Are you playing the oh woe is me card? What are you speaking to that storm? Are you busy speaking life into the enemy's plans? Verse 35 says this. 
and it was Jesus. He said, come, let us cross over to the other side. If Jesus says, come, let us cross over to the other side, and they embark on a journey, is it fair to say that they were doing the will of God? John 5 and 19 declares that Jesus can only do that with which he sees the Father do. So if Jesus says, come, let us go to the other side, it is very safe to say that they were in the will of God. This should encourage somebody and get rid of a demon right there because that says that, yes, even in the will of God, there is a storm. I've heard it so many times. Uh, you know what? I, I think I've stepped, you know, it was my flesh. I wasn't actually called to ministry, uh, you know. <laughs> I was called to be a millionaire. This is just not what I, it's just. <laughs> I'll say this. The greater the calling, the greater the storm. But what are you doing in your storm? Let's jump down just a little bit to verse 38. It says, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, do you not care that we are perishing? The disciples sound just like us. Lord, don't you understand? I'm doing your will. Lord, don't you understand? I'm in ministry. God, don't you understand? I have given my life for you. I will do anything for you. How is it that I'm enduring this? How is it that I'm going through this trial? How is it that I'm going through this tribulation? Don't you see what I have given for you, God? Don't you see that we are perishing? Don't you see the anxiety? Don't you see the sleepless nights? Don't you understand? And we do the same thing to God if we're being truthful. But let me share something with you that should really help somebody. Where was Jesus when this storm was going on? So many of us treat Jesus as if he's got his eye turned and doing this. As if he doesn't see what's going on. You know, I say to the young people all the time, I say, you know, it's re it would be really hard to expose all your sins to our senior pastor, wouldn't it? And they immediately get all nervous. That's a mortal man. No dishonor toward our pastor in any way, shape, or form. But as soon as you start saying stuff like, why don't you go to Pastor Alex and expose all of your sin, that stuff that you watch on the internet when your parents go to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning, all those things that you're getting caught up with, your Snapchat account, go ahead and send that to Pastor as well. All the, the, the music and the videos and the, the, the anime nonsense that you got as, you know, it's a, it's a cutesy cartoon, but I really know what's behind all that and the demon that's operating that. Send all that to Pastor Alex. They start shivering in their boots. And then you say, well, you know what? The funny thing about that is God sees everything. You might could hide it from mortal man, but you're not hiding it from the king of kings. He sees it anyways. So why do we try to hide it from man, but you're not hiding it from God? The same is said about our storm. Because we act like God doesn't see it, but where was Jesus? Oh, somebody's about to catch it in just a second. Jesus was in the boat. He was in the boat. He was in the stern of the boat. That's the back for our nautical friends. He was asleep by the transom of the boat, resting on a pillow. 
That means that in your trial and in your tribulation, when you feel like you're all alone and you're you just, all of heaven has been silent on your behalf, guess what? He's right there resting beside you. He never left you. He never orphaned you. You were there. He was there all along. And when we get all upset and wake him up and cry out to him and say, don't you care that we are perishing? This is where I love the response. All throughout scripture, we see Jesus pray to the Father. Amen? But in this instance, Jesus doesn't pray to the Father. Jesus wakes up. He looks at the demon that's attacking him and says, peace, be still. Let me, let me preach it a little bit different. Oh, Lord, please just help me. I just, it just, just, my finances are so attacked right now. God, I just, if you could, if you don't mind, if you could please just, you know, my, 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 my family is sick and my, my grandma is, she's not doing so well. And God, if you could just please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to take away from the power of prayer. I love prayer. I love the art of war. I love getting down and dirty with the devil and taking him on head on. I love it. I absolutely love intercessory warfare. But there has to come a time in our walk when we learn to stand and prophesy to that thing. When we learn to stand and speak to that mountain. In this situation, Jesus did not pray. He turned to that storm and he said, peace, be still. That was it and it was done. There comes a time when you've got to just speak to the mountain. Understand that you have power and dominion, a creative dunamis power on the tip of your tongue, but you choose not to use it. This is the point where I'll say, be more like Jesus. You know the problem. Tell it to go. Everybody with me so far? I'm trying my best not to scream and shout. Peace, be still. Understand we are in a very prophetic house here. Did you know that you are prophetic? How many of you in this place tonight by a show of hands can say, I have the Holy Spirit within. When I got saved, the Holy Spirit came and he resided inside of my heart. Let me see those hands. Let me see those hands. That's almost 100%. And I'm assuming if you didn't raise your hand, it's just because you missed, you missed it. Watch this. Revelation 19 and 10, he says, And I fell in at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, who is the testimony of Jesus? John 15 and 26 says, But when the helper, the paraclete, the paraclete, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. That's Jesus. So it's, it's safe to assume then that the Holy Spirit is the testimony of Jesus Christ, the helper. He is your helpmate. He is the revealer of all things. The Holy Spirit is a prophetic spirit. The testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. It could be read this way. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of prophecy. If the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, that means you house the prophetic spirit. 
I'll take it a step further. For those of you that, that were at the e-course this morning, you learned that there's a difference between the Holy Ghost within and the Holy Ghost upon. We understand that the Holy Ghost within is a totally different thing to the Holy Ghost upon. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, it's for service. It's for ministry, to be an effective Christian. Many of you came to the e-course this morning and the Holy Ghost came upon. Now understand that you not only have the spirit of prophecy within, you also have the spirit of prophecy That means that the spirit of prophecy is there not only for you, but for, oh, somebody got it. You got to speak to it. There's a prophetic spirit that's inside of you. And there's power in you. But you got to open your mouth. Build your faith and speak to it. Build your faith and speak to it. Ezekiel in the valley of the dead bones. The Lord comes to him and says, prophesy to those dead bones. And he prophesies to him. He says, bones live. And life comes to him. And there's life in a valley of death. But I love this and it takes it so much more further for me. Because again, I'm, I, I, I didn't go to the military, but I kind of wish I would have just to learn some more stuff about spiritual things because I understand that everything in the natural, there's always a type and a shadow of it in the realm of the spirit. But I got to understand that there was a valley of death and Ezekiel prophesied life to the valley of death and then a, an army arose. <laughs> yeah, an army arose. It's about time that an army rises up. The time for flippant jellyfish Christianity with no backbone. That time's got to go, and an army's got to come up. An army's got to arise. See, when we begin to prophesy life where there is death, that means that people are going to begin to get to their feet and get a revelation of the fact that the same power that resides in the Creator, the same power that resides in Jesus is inside of you, and it's on the tip of your tongue. When we prophesy life where there is death, you have the ability to prophesy to a warrior. Dry bones come alive. Devil, you'd have done a whole lot better to keep me dead, broke down, and busted, but it's not going to happen for you. An army's about to arise. How about in 2 Kings chapter 6 where we see the prophet Elisha, and he's causing a lot of havoc for the king because as he's in his tent praying and seeking the face of the Lord, he's a step ahead of the king who's trying to get rid of the children of Israel. And he begins to share the secrets of their war tactics long before they ever get there. So the children of Israel are one step ahead rather than a step behind. My prayer tonight in Jesus' name for every person under the sound of my voice is that for you and your household, you would always be one step ahead and not a step behind in Jesus' name. But understand, understand, the king gets a little upset. And he sends a whole bunch of horses and chariots and a mighty army to surround the city of Dothan. And the next morning, Gehazi, his servant, Elisha's right-hand man, wakes up. He pokes his head out the tent, rubs the sleep out of his eyes and goes, uh-oh, and runs back inside and says, Houston, we got a problem. Understand the reality. He was Elisha's servant. The man of God's right hand and still spiritually blind. We'll save that one for another day. 
And Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes. He speaks it. Gehazi pokes his head out the tent and realizes what Elisha already knew, that those who were with him were far greater than those who were against him. And the mountainside was surrounded by horses and chariots of fire. But it gets better because we always want to fight in the natural But the word of God says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this age. So there's a spiritual battle. Well, how do you fight a spiritual battle when you've got the hillside covered up with angels and an army that wants to kill you? Well, he doesn't break out the machine gun. He doesn't call in an airstrike, which I think he probably could have, because to be fair, the airstrike had already assembled. Gehazi just saw it. Okay, another story for another day. Realize all Elisha did was pray one prayer. He spoke to it, and he said, Lord, blind them. Strike them with blindness, God. He didn't fight it in the natural. He fought it in the realm of the Spirit. He spoke to the mountain. He spoke to the situation. He spoke to the circumstance, and we see a great victory take place. He didn't have to go out there guns blazing and just... He dropped a a spiritual nuke. What are you speaking? Mark 11, 24. It says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart and does not doubt in his heart. Somebody say, does not doubt in his heart. But believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. This is not a a blab it and grab it sermon because understand it's got to be within side of the will of God. I can't just prophesy a Ferrari into my driveway. It doesn't work that way. Somebody say amen. We've seen too much manipulation in the church because of stuff like that. Merchandising the anointing. And it's an absolute shame and an atrocity to the kingdom of God that we would try to do things like that for our own personal gain and to blow up our own heads and get uh, Facebook famous and Instagram famous and all this other nonsense. But understand that we have delegated authority within inside of the realm that we have authority. I am in no way, shape, or form asking anybody to get rebellious. Please don't get rebellious. You preach a message like this and then you get one just wild and crazy person that just decides they know better and they just, you know, they're going to just prophesy to the nations and prophesy death and destruction and be smart, be wise. Everybody say amen. Amen. But understand that you have a level of delegated authority. Husbands, you are the high priest of your house. Guess what? Your delegated authority is your household. That is your area of influence. That means as the father of the household, you can prophesy to your soul. You can prophesy to your house. You can prophesy to your kids. You can prophesy to your marriage. What are you speaking? You come home and say, well, little Tommy, he better get good at soccer because he's not real bright. He's kind of a, 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 a dumb bag of rocks. He ain't going to make it in the world. If he can just get a soccer scholarship, he might make it. What are you prophesying? Life or death is in the power of the tongue. 
Come on, husbands, you got to begin to prophesy to your marriage. Yeah, maybe it's not looking so good right now, but get on your knees and fight the good fight. And it's not with your spouse. Maybe the finances don't look real good. Well, guess what? Fight the good fight and begin to prophesy to that thing. Begin to speak to that thing. There's got to come a time when we begin to take on the battle that is ours. Speak to it. So many times you go through a trial or a tribulation. Everybody loves God when things are going good. But when things get a little rough around the edges, what do you do? How do you respond? New level, new devil. But with every level, I'm getting stronger. And I pray that you are too. I pray that you're pumping that spiritual iron every single day in the gym and you've got biceps like Arnold Schwarzenegger and you just look armed and dangerous in the realm of the spirit. I don't care what you look like naturally or physically, but in the realm of the spirit, you had better have your armor on. It better be shining. That that shield of faith had better be oiled on a day-to-day basis. That sword had better be sharp. You had better be ready to take on the battle that is coming towards you and begin to speak to those things that come against you and your family. Ultimately, the devil wants to cause separation between you and God and he'll do it in any way that he can but are you going to allow him to break you down or are you going to stand up on your own two feet and say you should have tried a different one it's the wrong house devil you came barking up the wrong tree I want to do something this evening and then we'll close but if you would stand to your feet with me I'm not going to draw this out and make this hyper-spiritual because ultimately Jesus' prayer when he was on the boat was not a hyper-spiritual prayer. Peace, be still. When Jonah went and he ministered, it was, (laughs) Lord, forgive me. It wasn't an amazing sermon, but it was highly anointed. Why? We see the response of it. Repent. Are you with me? Can we take a minute and 30 seconds tonight? I don't know what storm you're going through. I don't know what situation you're going through. I don't know where you're at. Those of you that are tuning in online, I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your story is. But whatever your situation or circumstance is, husbands, I challenge you this night. Take a minute and 30 seconds to just begin to prophesy to your family. Nobody running around, nobody laying hands. Don't misunderstand me. Please don't get weird and wonderful on this, but begin to speak it into the atmosphere. Is that okay? Just take a minute and 30 seconds. Begin to prophesy to your family. Begin to prophesy life. Begin to prophesy to your kids. Begin to prophesy to your businesses. Begin to prophesy over your household. Begin to prophesy over your family, your delegated authority. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Father, over every person in this house, over every congregation, member. God, I ask in Jesus' name, even for my own household, Lord, spirit of infirmity, it goes tonight in the name of Jesus. We declare and decree, we prophesy life, we prophesy life, we prophesy life. Death, where is your sting? Death, go in Jesus' name. We command healing over the body of Christ tonight. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, God, I pray, raise up husbands in this hour. Raise up husbands in this hour. Joshua and Caleb's God, I promise 
prophesy to it now, God. I prophesy to the marriages in this house, Lord, that you would raise them up, God, in Jesus' mighty and precious name, that we would have strong marriages, high priests in the home once again, God, that would stand up on their own two feet in the mornings, and they would take on the enemy that comes against their spouse. They'd take on the enemy that would come against their children. God, they would take on the enemy that tries to break them down and pull them from the separation. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, do it. Do it, God. Do it again, God. And we prophesy life. We prophesy life. Come on, somebody. Prophesy life right now. Prophesy life right now in Jesus' name. Now on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to give a shout of praise and let the devil hear you. One, two, three. Give him a shout of praise. I thank you. 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 There is a tangible anointing in this place, my God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for a heavenly atmosphere. Father, I pray for each and every person as they go their way, Father, that you would protect them, that you would cover them. Father, I pray, let faith arise in this area, that we would begin to speak to the storm and life would come out of our mouth, not negativity and all the things that the world would try to call as normal. God, let us be a counterculture generation. The only culture I want to be a part of is the kingdom of heaven. Let's normalize the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, go with your people, Father, and bring us back tomorrow morning ready, expectant, hungry, Father, for more, because there is always more. We love you and appreciate you so much. In Jesus' mighty and precious name.